0: I'm on the record, I want to reiterate, that your favorite hockey team wouldn't have done a blessed thing in the Stanley Cup playoffs. In a best of seven, they'd have been out in three. However, however, there's something else semi-related to that that I'm going to dare to bring up today. Good morning to you. Good Friday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports, and this is Daily Shot. Of penguins, It comes your way bright and early every weekday if you're into football and or baseball. I also offer daily shots of Steelers and Pirates in the same place that you found this A couple Stanley Cup playoff games last night. Both of them fairly entertaining. Panthers 3, Maple Leafs 2 on the eastern side, and Stars 4, Kraken 2 on the other side. And while I've got plenty of good things that I can say about uh, almost all of the teams that are left, and I've got plenty of different, you know, little predictions or thoughts about this or that, and, you know, even a little debate that I could bring up about how Leon Dreisiedel is the guy that you'd want to have on your roster and not Connor McDavid, the feeling I'm starting to get now in watching this round of playoffs is that this isn't exactly the greatest field, certainly not the greatest remaining field in playoff history. Everyone knows what the Bruins were, but everyone would also know from my phrasing of that sentence that they're now in the past tense. So they don't count Toward judging how strong this field is, the field has eight teams in it. So, if you would presume, just ride this with me, okay? If you would presume that the Penguins had had a competent, reasonably competent, not genius level, you know, not even like, uh, you know, very good general manager, just one who knew how to do the job from the years 2020 to 2023, then you could safely assume that the Penguins would have made gasp the playoffs this year, meaning they would have qualified. You also could safely assume that they would have gotten through a round of those playoffs, considering they almost made the playoffs with this GM and this GM having given away half of everything he had and screwing up the cap, and we don't need to go over all that again. If these Penguins had had even just a Decent, decent executive at the helm. Someone capable of going out and getting, it wouldn't even have to have been a third and a fourth line. It could have just been a third line. Because you can just cobble together a fourth line of various pieces and say, hey, guys, go out there and kill the clock. You can't have two lines doing that. And that's what Mike Sullivan, of course, had to try to navigate this past season. If you just get that, and if you just have an awareness, a casual, casual, like almost like expert fan level awareness of what's needed to win in this era of hockey, and you had gotten yourself just a couple of guys up front, a couple of guys on the back end who were more mobile and who had placed way more of a priority on the most important position in the game, then who out of these last eight teams would have scared you? Who out of these last eight would you say, wow, man, no chance? Anybody? Again, this isn't to knock who's there. And it's certainly not. To reiterate my point from the very beginning of this segment, and I have a feeling I'm going to have to reiterate it, these Penguins weren't going to beat anybody. They couldn't beat the Blackhawks with their season on the line, all right? So please don't misinterpret what I'm talking about here. I feel as if a massive opportunity was blown here. Not just in the obvious context that, you know, Sid and Gino each had a point a game production level in their mid-30s. Didn't miss a game? That's an opportunity, man. How about everybody? Everybody in your top six coming up with at least 20 goals? That's in a, in a year where we can all agree and Brian Russ himself would agree that Brian Russ didn't have a great year. That's an opportunity. Crystal Tang overcoming adversity the way he is to still be a significant contributor and a legit number one defenseman. Significant opportunity. And all you had to do, all you had to do was get this team into the tournament. With enough pieces, enough depth, and enough 2023 infused into that lineup, meaning more possession guys, more speed guys, more youth, valuing youth. And of course, that would have to be conveyed to the head coach, but that's also something that a good general manager can do. They would have had a chance. Not anything more. But a chance. They certainly wouldn't have entered the tournament as favorites, not the way Boston played. But if they had made it through the first round, which again, they would have with someone who knew what they were doing. You could put them in this pack of eight teams. Take any one of them out. Doesn't matter which one. And tell me first that they couldn't get out of the East. Tell me that they couldn't beat the Panthers. They'd have a rough time with them. The Panthers sure look good. Maybe better than anybody in the East right now. But tell me they couldn't beat them with Bob in net. <laughs> no, if only the Leafs knew. The only thing they need to do for Game 3 and Sunrise is show up wearing black and gold and Bob is doomed. Who else? Leafs? Give me a break. Devils and Hurricanes would be tough. No doubt about that. But don't tell me that either New Jersey or Carolina has what you would consider to be Stanley Cup-level goaltending, and as such, they would both be beatable. And in the West, this is one of the weirdest things, but no matter how down the Penguins have gotten at different points over the past three, four years, they've still done really, really well against the Western teams. I'm not sure why. They don't really seem to know why when I ask them. But it's unmistakable that they do. Now, if they end up facing, you know, Edmonton, there's a matchup problem for you from a speed standpoint, from a skill standpoint, from a dry sidle standpoint. If you face Vegas, it's a different kind of problem. The Golden Knights put tons and tons of pucks on net. They go there. They deflect them. The stars do the same thing and not just Joe Pavelski. There'd be challenges over there. But every last one of them is surmountable in this scenario that i'm describing here why am i wasting your time with this plain and simple i can't emphasize this enough this team can't keep blowing opportunities like this the executive who gets brought in has to be cream of the bleeping crop or this absentee ownership is going to disintegrate into something way worse than just not being around the arena when we come back j1q from Terry Pfeiffer, who says, Hey, DK, a thought has occurred to me regarding Mike Sullivan and his using young guys in a lineup. If you think back to the Penguins' most recent Cup victories, one of their strengths and what really helped them turn around the 2015-16 season was the way those teams blended the veterans along with the guys who were then young who came up from the minors, like Brian Ross, Jake Gensel, Connor Sherry, etc. It was a great combo of veteran savvy with youthful energy. Why would Sullivan now? be so reluctant to use the new crop of young guys? Is it because Sullivan was familiar with those guys, having coached them in Wilkes-Barre? I'd love to hear your thoughts. Terry, the first thought that I have, and this is one that I will reflexively bring up anytime the subject is raised of Sullivan coaching those guys in Wilkes-Barre. I'm not sure how that narrative took such firm root with the fan base, but it really did. Sullivan was down there for a month. That's it. That's all the time that he spent in Wilkesbury with those guys. It was a total of 16 games. Now, they played great in those 16 games. That was a big part of Jim Rutherford's decision, in fact, to make the move when he did of getting Mike Johnston out and bringing Sullivan up. Because he saw, A, a coach in the NHL who couldn't handle it, and B, one who was just killing it down in the minors. Easy stuff, right? But the notion that Sullivan would become uh, emotionally invested, or however it is that the narrative goes, in these guys at the outset of the 2015-16 season, doesn't really line up with you know the amount of time spent there. Any head coach in the NHL is going to spend roughly a month, a little bit less than that, with his younger players in a training camp setting. And When you combine it with development camp, there's a lot of time that's spent with these guys. So Sullivan has learned his young guys. He's gotten to know his young guys. And he'll be the first to tell you that in the early stages of any NHL training camp, as important it is to make sure that you're doing right by Sid and Gino and everybody else, the head coach and a lot of the assistant coaches' attention is on those younger players. Why? They want someone to jump up. They want someone to make the difference. When you go back to this past camp, the guy that Sullivan talked about more than anybody else, including the veterans at the time, was Sam Poulin. He felt that Sam had made good big strides in his game. This is early in camp. That ended up not holding up. And the season didn't go the way Sam wanted, obviously, not on the ice and not off the ice. But it's not like Sullivan didn't get to know him. It's not like Sullivan didn't begin to have a relationship with him. Sam's been around for a while now. Sully knows him. So if you want the best answer that I can give you on this front, It's to go back over those names that you mentioned who came up for the 2016 playoffs and for the 2017 playoffs, and you left off a few others who came up and made contributions. They might not seem so big right now, but Tom Kuhnhackle came up and was a legit penalty killer for this team, was a contributor to those Cups. Scott Wilson came up, and he was the one more than anybody before he got hurt. It was a long-term injury who got that pack going. He was the one that scored all the goals. He was the one who was getting the praise. I remember it like yesterday from from Gino saying, wow, look at this guy. He came up and he showed what these kids can do. That was part of that process. But it wasn't because Sullivan was around them for a month in Wilkesbury. It was because they were good players. And the following year when Jake came up, it was because Jake was a really good player who didn't belong in the minors. There's not anyone in this system who is capable of that. I will occasionally, myself, advocate for someone who's down there. I like, for instance, what I've seen with my own eyes of Valtteri Pustinen. Then I look at his AHL numbers and I wonder if maybe my eyes are playing tricks on me. I like what I've seen of Drew O'Connor and his growth. I do wish the head coach had used him earlier. And a lot more often and way more often than some of the veterans he's used. Look, I'm not stupid here. I do see what your general point is here. And you're right. He is guilty, legitimately guilty of not using younger players enough and not trusting them quickly enough. Okay, that's fair. But to just go back to that first season and say, well, it was because of that one month that he had with him, that's the part that doesn't line up with me. I appreciate the question. I appreciate everybody listening to Daily Shot of Penguins. We'll do another one of these on Monday.